Thank you for tuning in to the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is an online ministry striving to feed people the life-sustaining bread of God's Word. Bread of the Word exists for the reclamation of the Bible in the heart, mind, and walk of all the saints of God, for it is the Bible itself which is the ultimate standard by which people are to live and honor God. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bread of the Word. Welcome back to the Bread of the Word podcast, Reclaiming the Bible and Exalting Christ, one verse at a time. My name is Tyler, and we are continuing our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we have been working through chapter 3 for a while now, and we've slowed down a little bit with the number of verses we take in at a time. There's just, there's just a lot of good stuff in Ecclesiastes. There's a lot of little things that I've profited from in this book, and so we've kind of slowed down a little bit. But here we have the continuation of what Solomon was saying last week in almost a lament. But here we see it a little differently. We saw the pointless pursuit of things, but here he asserts where things of goodness comes from. So verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3 says, I knew that there is no good thing in them except to make merry and to do what is good in this life. And also, every person who shall eat and drink and see what is good in all his labor, it is God's gift. So I know there is no good thing in them except to make merry and to do what is good in this life. And the Masoretic text and the Septuagint um, differ slightly on this passage. And what I've just read is out of the Septuagint rendering, just because I believe the distinction is important and that the way the Septuagint renders it is more clear and helpful. The Masoretic um, text reads, I perceive, whereas the Septuagint reads, I know. And I believe the word know hits closer at what was meant in these words, that what Solomon is illustrating is in some, something, in fact, that can be known. Something that is a veritable fact. It's a state of knowledge, not necessarily experience or perception. And what does he know? That there is no good in things and we go what that doesn't make a whole lot of sense there is no good in them in autois in Greek autois is a descriptive pronoun and it's plural the article EV or N indicates the direction of the description this pronoun is being used as a as part of a prepositional phrase meaning it is not the subject but it is part of a string of words describing what is happening to the object. So, where does goodness come from? Because it's not in the things in themselves. <clears throat> so where does it come from? Continue on, except to make merry and do what is good in this life. And that phrase, make merry, um, took me by surprise because that is something I puzzled over for a good bit. And the, the Greek word 
that Septuagint uses um, says to delight or make joyful, to produce delight. So make merry is one way of rendering it, but simply put, it is produce joy. What does that mean, produce joy? In an age of depression and mental health crises, the question of joy is a frequent one. And to answer that question, I direct this to the 43rd Psalm. King James renders it this way, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why? Why art thou cast down? Literally, why are you down? Why do you feel this way? Why do you ache so? See, sometimes the act of praising and giving thanks to God is a great challenge. Sometimes it isn't easy or natural. Sometimes we have to make ourselves bless God. When it, when it says in the psalm, hope in God, a, hope is being used as a verb, it's not a noun. And second of all, it's in the imperative form. It's an imperative verb, which means this is a command. It's not a suggestion, it's not a direction. This is as close in verbs as we can get to reality. You will do this. Sometimes we have to make ourselves bless God. In the midst of our feelings, we fight to hope and delight in God. Sometimes worship, true God-honoring worship, is warfare. Richard Baxter once wrote that excessive sorrow occurs when we believe the promises of God to be true to everyone but us. And the psalmist is in a similar state. He is reminding himself, telling his soul, contending to his soul, that God will be praised despite how the psalmist feels about it. George MacDonald um, describes this in a very picturesque way, and he writes, that man is perfect in faith, who can come to God in the utter dearth of his feelings and desires, without a glow or an aspiration, with the weight of low thoughts, failures, neglects, and wandering forgetfulness, and still say to him, Thou art my refuge. Ultimately, the pinnacle of faith is when we come to God when we don't feel like it, when we don't bring anything to the table, when we are all the more aware of our own unworthiness, of our own unimpressiveness, when we don't feel like praising God, we don't, when we don't feel like praying, we don't feel like drawing nigh to our Creator, and yet we do anyway. That's where the rubber meets the road. That is where faith gets real. That's where, this, this is also where it gets hard. And part of the understanding of faith is that things are going to get hard. That is not always going to be in our eyes because we will, we'll see it one day. But right now, we don't necessarily see it. It says in, in uh, one of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, I will walk by faith and not by sight. And so to make merry, as Solomon puts it, is to choose to lean into God even when we don't feel like it or when our eyes tell us something else. When our feelings tell us otherwise, 
we remember Adonai, our God, the Sovereign One. So why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, for he is the strength of my countenance. Psalm 103 starts off with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things, and your youth is renewed like the eagles. He starts off just like the psalmist um, in Psalm 43. We're not sure if they're the same author, but the author of this psalm is taking a similar posture as the author of Psalm 43. He is reminding himself to bless God with all that is within me, not just a lackluster, wishy-washy, yeah, I bless you, but with all that is within me. With the fullness of my being, may I praise God. Because he is still real. Forget not his benefits. He forgives all your sins. We can stop right there. One psalm, another psalm that is a comfort when life is hard is a psalm of David, Psalm chapter 3. When we feel like giving up, God sustains us. When we rest, God awakes us up every morning, no matter how weary we may be. God continues to be a shield for his people. As David wrote, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. It's easy to read that and think, well, David was a king. He was in a palace. It was easy for him to write that down and praise God. But Psalm 3, the superscript tells us that he wrote this as he was on the run from his son, who was on a mission to kill him. So quite literally, he was probably writing this psalm in a cave, fearing for his life. And yet he's fearing for his life. He's living in a cave. But this is what he pens. I laid down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. That is a posture that is hard to find sometimes. And David didn't get it all right. Don't misunderstand me here. David was as much of a dirty, rotten sinner as every single one of us. But in this moment that he writes the psalm, in that moment, that night, This is what God showed him. This is what God revealed to him about his relation to God. And the truth is, I know this well. Right now is a time where sometimes I have to tell myself these things. Hope in God, for I will yet praise him. I am reminding myself to bless the Lord with all that is within me. That this idea of worship as warfare is my warfare right now. We back up a verse in Ecclesiastes. All things he made were beautiful in his season, and he gave the whole span of time in their heart so, the, so that a person might not find 
what he has done from the beginning to the end. I knew that there is no good thing in them except to make merry and do what is good in this life. Matthew Henry once wrote, Though we be depressed, yet let us not be dejected, for we are sure that God will be exalted, and that may satisfy us. He will work for his great name, and then it's no matter what becomes of our little names. Verse 13, And so every person who shall eat and drink and see what is good in all his labor, it is God's gift. So the good thing is to do good in their life and to see God in it, to revel in the goodness of God as is revealed in the in your life. The way God has provided for you, the way God sustains you. James chapter 1 says every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. Every good thing flows from the hand of God. So for us to truly appreciate anything we are given, if it is a good thing, we must give thanks to God. As the song says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us praise God for what flows from his hands. Uh, Daniel Atkins and David G. Moore in their handbook on the book of Ecclesiastes make this remark. We tend to think that God is interested only in, quote, souls. Things like our work seem unimportant to him. But this is not true. God is redeeming all of life for the Christian, including work. The effects of the fall on work still remain. But the Christian is able to see the redemptive plan of God in all things, including work. The, the phrase we see um, rendered as a man's work in Ecclesiastes could also be translated as toils, as suffering. And it's easy to approach the market system in the United States as it is a toil. It is, on some extent, a sense of suffering. It's light affliction in comparison with other countries. But there doesn't seem to be any real point to some of the structures in our country. Because we work, we, we get taxed on our work, we... We die, and it, but we can't take it with us. But there is a place for work in the plan of God, because God came to redeem all of us, that all that is within me bless his holy name. And so there's a place for a new relationship with my work, with my toil, one that is thankful to God. Romans 1 tells us that one of the marks of the unregenerate, of the carnal mind is unthankfulness. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And there's a new relationship when God indwells a person with work. The way we view work is in, in alignment with something else, with someone else. 
because we see the good in it. And it is God's gift that we can see the good in things. Because when we see the good in things, it leads our eyes back to the good God who gave it. Lamentations 3 says, I re this, this I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. <coughs> the Lord is my portion, our allotment that is truly enough, and in that we can rest. He is our blessed Sabbath rest from the toils of this world. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. God is the shepherd who says, who says to the sheep, Lie down. And there are things, when you read um, about animal behavior, there are certain factors that will prevent a sheep from lying down. If there's a lack of food, if there is fear, if there are flies, there are several other factors. But the point is, it is difficult to get a sheep to lie down. When a sheep does lie down, it is because all of their immediate needs are met. They know the shepherd is providing all of their needs in that moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not suffer need. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. The shepherd is available to you today. If you come unto Christ the good shepherd with faith and repentance, there can too be for you rest. John Calvin sums it up in this way. God gently draws us to himself by his good gifts to us, giving us a taste of his sweetness as our father. But nothing is so easy for us as to forget him when we are enjoying peace and comfort. So in closing, let us be reminded of the rest that is in God. For in him all things find their purpose, and in him all things hold together. He is my glory and the lifter of mine head. He is a help and a shield. I, I lie down and sleep, and I awaketh, for the Lord sustains me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bread of the Word podcast. I pray that it has been beneficial to your walk with God and that he has called you into a deeper relationship and fellowship with himself. If you want to hear more from Bread of the Word, feel free to hit that subscribe button down at the bottom. Get notified about new content whenever we go live. Um, you can also watch us on Rumble Video and YouTube, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, you can also find us on social media. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gab, links will be provided in the bio um, if you would like to check those out. And there will also be a message in the comment section um, a free gospel message for download entitled The Two J's, The Joy of the Potter and the Journey of the Clay. That is something that I've written. That's something God laid on me to write and then send out. And so I'm not making anything off of it. I'm not selling it. It is free for you to read and share. We need a further saturation of the gospel in our world, in our culture, 
and it starts right here. Bread of the Word Ministries exists for the reclamation of the Bible and the exaltation of Christ through the reading and teaching of His Holy Transformative Word. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless. Matthew 4.4 4.